Welcome to a wild weird. Your, your lighting, your lighting looks great. I'm, I'm, I tried. I've got like, like a. Where are you? I'm, I'm about. I'm in Vancouver, Washington, about ten oh. minutes north of Portland, Oregon. No way. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. So. Oh, that's what I was yeah. gonna ask you because I thought you were. Yeah. I knew you were from Canada. I didn't know if you're from Vancouver, British yeah. Columbia. I was gonna ask. That's it. Yeah. Oh, so I've Vancouver is is that on the eastern part of North, like on the United States, like northeast? No, it's like three hours north of you dude oh yeah that's all right yeah. vancouver british columbia <laughs> is right north of seattle that's right yeah it's like three hours to seattle maybe awesome. no not even that much it's like two hours but three hours like crossing the border i guess and were are you were you born in canada yeah yeah born and raised yeah you know, same... i've always wanted to visit canada and i've never had a chance like really yeah like well it's been really hard lately we're so close like, huh how long you been in Vancouver, Washington for? Oh, God. I grew up in Portland. I've lived in Vancouver for about seven and a half years. Yeah. It was like at the time, it was like in my early 20s, and I was not doing so great in my life at the time. I was living with my parents, kind of floating jobs, you know, just trying to. I was, it's yeah. like that stage of where like uh, all my friends are moving on. I'm kind of by myself, working part time jobs. Yeah. And I was like, my brother and sister moved to Vancouver. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move up here, kind of like start anew and met my wife when I moved up here. Nice. And uh, got a job uh, working for a local transportation company. And I've been here since, bought my house here. It's nice because it's cheaper to live here than in Portland. And there's just sales drive. tax. Oh, yeah. Except the sales tax. That's what sucks. <laughs> but it's 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 nice that I can still go to Portland, visit friends, go to the city and kind of do whatever I want within a driving distance. So oh, good nice. stuff, man. That's great. Yeah, Thank no, you. I've lived here my whole life. I'm a, I grew up in North Vancouver. So on the other side of the water, there's like an inlet that comes in. Yeah. Um, and now I'm on the east side, which is over the water. So, but it's it's a little bit, a little bit cheaper over here. Yeah. Because well, how, how's the weather doing up there today? Uh, it is smoky. Same, actually, dude. It's it's really weird. Hey, Kev, you mind closing my door? Thank you. Um, oh, that's a nice nun. We should see it. Do you want to see the plate? Uh, in a sec. Here, can you close the door? Nice. Um, yeah, it's weird. Um, I was out for a walk with the dog this morning and uh, didn't notice any smoke. And then just like sitting here over the last half hour, it just suddenly has rolled in. So it's uh, it smells too. Like it's it's almost it's kind of acrid yeah yeah sort of weird i don't know where the fire is or it's basically been we haven't had rain in like a month and a half and Same, usually dude. usually what happens is like when it doesn't rain and there's no uh yeah if, when there's no precipitation the smoke from the interior of bc comes like funneling through the fraser valley yeah, but that hasn't happened this year, which is kind of strange. And uh, climate change uh, is great. I know it's great. Hey, eh? it's been it was bad last year. Like it's been a little bit better this year for forest fires, but I'm sure it's the same down there. That it's just yeah, crazy. it's like I, I'm I'm thinking like where our weather is similar since we're kind of in the north like west region. Yeah, it's northwest, same deal. 
but it's been the same. It, it hasn't rained in so long. I think we had one day where it sprinkled for 10 minutes and then it was still 89 degrees outside. Yikes. And like now it's like, God, today it's supposed to be 95. Woo. And I look out my window and it's just overcast, smoky, glazy. Like my wife took my kids, to, uh, was going to take my kids to the park. Yeah. And then she's like, well, I'll just take them. We have a mall nearby that has like a big play structure on the inside of it. Like, I'll just take them to that one. It's indoors. I think I've been to that mall. The Vancouver is like, mall? Is it when you're like coming down the hill and there's like, I think there's like a Wendy's and like a Super 8 motel on the one side. Yeah. And then, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> we used to yeah, go down to Washington quite a bit, like uh, as a kid, go on little, little trips with the family and stuff. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with like the uh, Portland, Oregon at all? Have you been there? I've been there. I haven't spent a bunch of time there. Actually, most times I've been there has been playing with like I was playing in this heart tribute band a few years back. Uh-huh. And for some reason, like tribute acts in like locally, it's like there's there's no market for it whatsoever. But we go down to like southern Washington, Portland, and we played like a thousand people. It was insane. Wow. People were just so into. Have you heard of Hairfest? Uh-uh. I think it's in, I think it's just outside of Portland, but it's an entire festival devoted to cover bands. That's cool. And people lose their shit. Like it's, it's. And do they do that like once a year? Like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's coming back, but like it was a huge deal. And I never played it with them, but yeah, there's just seems to be a huge market for cover bands down there. So most of the times I was in Portland, it was like, we drive down, we do the show, we stay the night we. Oh, dude, like the, get a voodoo the, donut and then where do we play? Uh, uh, Dante's Inferno. Oh, right downtown. There. And then a um, an auditorium that was connected to a high school, but it was like a thousand seat auditorium. Oh, um, is it Revolution Hall? Revolution Hall. That was it. Yeah. And yeah. Revolution it. Hall. I just went there for the first time about a month ago. Yeah. to see a comedy act and i'm still waiting to go see a band like there was a band i wanted to go see oh god it was like my wife one of my wife's favorite bands I can't remember the name but um she wanted to go and it happened to be on a day where i like i had like three things scheduled yeah and i couldn't go I was like, this sucks and like it was like, <laughs> one of those like no matter what i did i couldn't reschedule because people weren't available so i was like i have to do this it's the only time it's gonna work but I went there and saw Andrew Santino. Have you heard of Andrew Santino? No, no, I'm not familiar. Um, he does a podcast, stand-up comedian, lives in L.A. Yeah. And uh, it was my first comedy show I ever went to was at Revolution Hall. And it was really? wonderful. I love the atmosphere, the theater seats, like how they have bars on both levels yeah. of the building. And it's attached to a high school next to a soccer field. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, man, that doesn't even seem like it would be here. And it's got like a rooftop bar where you can overlook it's that's cool. right yeah 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 it rings a bell that's that awesome, years man. and years if, ago but if you don't mind me asking like yeah. what honest opinion of portland like what did you think of the city when you came here um i think i had it built up in my head as this you know artistic paradise you know like the dream of the 90s is alive in portlandia kind of thing Awesome, like, you uh, thought of, like Fred Armisen, and, and yeah, exactly. And like, I really like Elliot Smith. I know he spent a lot of time there. It was based out of there for a long time. Yeah, and it, it, um, I, I don't think I've been able to form an opinion of it based on my travels there, but it still is in my my inner conception of it is still very positive. 
but I've also heard that it's like it's got a lot of issues and, and uh, exactly and like it's nice to hear people who have a very like positive per, like uh, perspective on it the romantic because, view like, of it I yeah and like I mean you know we got a homeless problem it's starting to get better actually well, like same they, deal up here yeah so yeah. I mean like I feel like anywhere any big city you go yeah. there's always going to be a homeless problem and it's going to vary yeah. like and during COVID obviously it was the worst but yeah. like right now, like they got a lot of initiatives or they're cleaning up a lot and they have mm -hmm. like those um those kind of like uh pod neighborhoods where like they provide housing for the homeless. Oh, that's good. And those have been popping up uh pretty much everywhere and kind of clearing out a lot of these uh like homeless villages under bridges and overpasses. Yep. Mm -hmm. and Very familiar. <laughs> in Vancouver, I live off Fourth Plain. So like right when you cross the bridge to go into Washington, yeah, like <laughs> the exit to my house is like the second exit into Washington. So like the, there's two main roads, mill plane, fourth plane, and they just built like, I think two, but there's one down the street from my house. And Oh my God, just from them putting that one there cleared up everything a lot. Like uh, a lot of the homeless people from downtown Vancouver get a place to stay. They provide like there's nonprofit organizations that provide food. And like, I drive by it every day. Uh, going to work and you could just see like they built up this community there's people handing out food clothes um blankets different things and it's super awesome and it's nice to see that oh like they're finally doing this and they're not doing it in a way that's basically saying leave go somewhere else it's like we're gonna well, provide temporary housing more of a band-aid solution or less of a band-aid solution yeah that's been such an issue up here um uh, with the tent cities and stuff popping up because the population is just so large that they can't house all these people. Yeah. And uh, there's just very limited, uh, just with the geography of Vancouver, like you're surrounded by the mountains and then the border to the south. And uh, there's there's just not a lot of places to to build temporary housing and they get a lot of pushback from neighborhoods too when they try and do yeah. that. So a lot of them is, is a lot of the housing is um, uh, centered around the downtown east side area, which is like the, the homeless Mecca, if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, they seem to be very slow on uh, building temporary housing for people. But like and you said, you know, like the Band-Aid thing is kind of the issue. I was I was listening to um, a podcast and they had this. Um, uh, this uh, I think investigative journalist on it, and he was talking about like fentanyl usage yep. and the increase of fentanyl and drugs, and like the way he worded kind of like or the patterns that he noticed was that like he would call different cities throughout the country in the United States, and they were all experiencing an influctuation of drug use and homelessness mm -hmm. at the, like within the same time, and it's just increasing in all the major cities. Oh yeah, and one thing that coincided was fentanyl and drugs mm. because you know um the cartels and drug organizations replaced poppy seed farmers with fentanyl labs so basically they got people that worked for the government and different uh people that were chemists and that knew how to you know work in a lab they basically cut their like how do you say it their their kind of margins of paying people to farm where they can pay two guys in a lab to create this large amount of fentanyl to fill with their drug, like to put in their drugs in two days where mm -hmm. it would take a month to farm the opiates and the poppy seeds that they need for like cocaine and different sure. drugs. So they had 
profit increase just from replacing poppy seeds with oh yeah and even if it's that much cheaper too yeah and so like it's a dramatic profit and the one thing he said that was really interesting to me was that let's say you have uh the regular poppy seed opiate in the drug that you're gonna have a longer kind of like the high will last longer and the withdrawal will take a couple days well with fentanyl the high is really short like two hours and then the withdrawal is immediate Hmm. As soon as that hits. So, so you have right that, away. It's right away. And it's highly more addictive. And so what happens is these people that are addicted to these drugs of fentanyl, they live near where they get their drugs. Absolutely. That's why there's a coinciding to like the amount of tents, people living like closer to neighborhoods where the houses that sell it are at. And I found that really interesting because I, I even noticed in my neighborhood, there are some houses a little sketchy, people going in and out. And um and kind of like this drug problem kind of increased. They have housing. Some of the people choose to live in houses, but I've noticed there are houses in my neighborhood that literally have tents in the backyard. Yeah. And bikers yeah. come and going. You know, yeah. I'm just assuming that's what it is. I don't have any proof. I've it's got like, one right down the street for me. Yeah. So it's like things like that where it's like we can put a mandate on the problem, say it's we don't have affordable housing for the homeless, but if people are choosing to live in tents near where they get their drugs taking these drugs that are way more addictive and way more powerful than the ones they previously used then the problem's never going to get solved that way you have to figure out a way to cancel the supply of fentanyl make it harder to make or you know stop the problem from its source and it seems like they aren't doing that no definitely not that's a tough too because you can't you can't criminalize homelessness per se like you can't stop people from living in tents Mm -hmm. nor nor should you, I guess, like it would be great if everybody wanted to move into an apartment and use their social assistant money on, on a affordable little chunk of housing. Yeah. But you also can't force people to do that. It's like, you can't force people into shelters because people have possessions and they can't bring their possessions into shelters. Mm -hmm. And if everything they own is in two shopping carts, you know, like they're just going to stay outside. And they actually had a, a recent issue on the downtown east side again is Hastings Street, which is the big um, concentration where four city blocks were completely covered in tents and wow. blocking blocking fire exits and making it so uh, if somebody was overdosing in one of the SRO hotels uh, up above, they couldn't get to them. And there were stories of literally having to cut people out of their tents to get through, to get through the door, to go upstairs and save somebody who's overdosing. So there was a bit of a, a bit of a tussle with the police a few weeks back when they came in and said, sorry, like you guys have to move. We'll help you. We'll help you move your stuff. You're not getting arrested. We're not going to take your drugs away. Nothing. But, um, yeah, it's sort of over the last couple of years, it's it's definitely gotten worse. And you walk down there and it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And, and worse. that's the biggest thing is it's just sad. You know, yeah. it's like these people in a way are choosing to live that way, but they're so addicted to what they're consuming. Yeah. That like it's an endless cycle. And they're and with how addictive fentanyl is, like their mental state is kind of permanently changed. Even if they got sober, that fentanyl has a long lasting effect on your brain. And like, I, I, God, he said something like, basically when you take fentanyl, it's either going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) And the ones that survive have a high tolerance for it. So they have to consume more and more of it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
the people selling it are making more money than they've ever made. And the people taking it are more destroyed than they've ever been and have yeah. a less likely chance of recovering and getting better from it. And it's, it's sad because you want to help people, but they also have to want to be helped. And, and, you know, and they do have the rights to, you can't remove them from their tent. You can't forcefully put them in treatment. And it's, it kind of just leaves you stuck. And every city has the same problem. And it's more, it's like you have this odd combination of being stuck like legally and federally and ethnically and morally. And it's, it's very complicated and it's easier to just not solve the problem or try to fix it. We're like, in a way I feel like to really help is to be, be kind of present with these people as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think people are really scared of the situation, think, scared of homeless people. They try to oh, avoid absolutely. them yeah. as much as possible. And I feel like until we change the stigma of like, these people are dangerous, they are horrible people, they're the scum of the, the earth. We have this horrible view of them instead of just viewing them as human beings that have problems that are more complicated and severe than the ones that we have when it, like due to the addiction. But try to find some relatability on how to help them. And because the current way we're doing, it's not working and mm. might as well try something different. And I think we're kind of hitting that experimental stage where they're like, the cities like Portland, Seattle, who have a severe homeless problem, they're trying different things to see if it works. And I mean, mm. like that's optimistic, at least for me. Yeah. That's like, you what's, know? what is compassion at the end of the day? Is it coming in saying, no, you can't live this way. We, we will we will refuse to stand by while you slowly kill yourself or yeah. is compassion saying look here's some other options you can have like they have that now uh you can have uh i think it's hydromorphone legally prescribed to you yep if you're a heroin addict or a fentanyl addict and um that's obviously received a lot of pushback but a lot of support it's obviously a very divisive issue yeah it's like replacing one drug with another well at least it's a safe supply so they're not dying and you the change their lifestyle are... slightly you know i imagine yeah if like you don't have to go see a drug dealer to go get your supply you can just like walk into the pharmacy or whatever little you know booth they go into every i think day i think there was like stuff. this study in sweden where or portugal where they you know allowed mm -hmm. people to go to a pharmacy or a clinic to get their heroin and when you replace like the the atmosphere of like what you have to do to get it and where you're going to get it, these people can live relatively normal lives. You know, it's like it's weird how like, oh, instead of going to this drug dealer, you can go to this clinic and get it. It's like, oh, yeah, well, now they have like that, you know, like when you're um, an addict thinks like, oh, now I know I don't have to worry about how I'm going to get the money for it. This I can go to this place and get it that's out of their mind now. And they just go on with life and know that by tomorrow at two o'clock, I'm going to go get my drugs. Yeah. You know, and that, your, it's weird how much that helps. Totally. You're lessening your, your reliance on, you know, the underbelly of society. <laughs> so yeah. maybe if that's something you're trying to leave, then, uh, you know, you can just go see somebody at the pharmacy for your supply okay. instead of having to stay close to the, the people that are going to keep you in your, your cycle of, of addiction. Well, it's like I, 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 there was this thing I was listening to where this guy was like uh, talking about his cigarette addiction, where it's like he went in jail for like three days and he, he was smoking like two packs a day. And he dying. said that as soon as he realized he was going to be stuck in jail for three days, 
he didn't think about the cigarettes because he knew he couldn't get them. And just the fact that like him knowing like, well, even if I, I, there's no way I'm going to get cigarettes. You kind of have that acceptance. Well, there might helps. be a way, but yeah, there's probably a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of different ways. <laughs> Depending on the prison. Yeah. It was three but, days. I'm doubting it was a maximum security facility. Yeah. But. He's probably like in a cell by himself. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like where they hold people in the drunk tank or something. Sure. Yeah. At the police station. But no, dude, like, I appreciate you coming and talking with me. And there's a lot of things like, especially kind of similar around this conversation of like connection with humanity, kind of like something we all share with each other. Mm. Like one thing that kind of brought me to you and got me really interested in your music is that the first time I listened to a song, one of your songs mm -hmm. is I was at the gym running on a treadmill Oh, and randomly on a playlist, double life popped up. Really? Right. And I was like, and then it starts, you know, it starts talk, like kind of has that climactic buildup and then into the guitar. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is like the funkiest thing I've heard in a long time. And dude, like, I don't like it, it was completely random. And it sent me down like this thing where like, actually, I quit my workout early because I was like, oh, OK, so I stopped the treadmill, kind of went and sat down on a bench and like looked up your name, put in like put your name in like Apple. Yeah. Look at your albums like um, like I started listening to Double Life, Never Enough, like yeah. everything in that album. And. Like, cause I listened to Never Enough right after Double Life. And that oh, was sweet. like a, a completely different vibe. But I was like, did I travel back to like the 80s or something? Like, <laughs> like one thing I've always, I'm a huge fan of M83. Have you heard of M83? Yes, absolutely. Huge influence. So M83 was the first band like years ago I listened to that I heard like a saxophone and like yeah. their song. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. yeah. And I, I didn't realize because I always, I always thought of like saxophone and like, that kind of music is like Hall and Oates, 80s kind of certain vibe. But then like the last couple, I would say two years, I started getting into bands. Like you're seeing like more experimental, like experimental music. And I was, and then I remember I watched one of your videos and I was thinking like, is this guy playing these instruments by himself? Like, does he know how to play all of these instruments? I was like, cause if you can play the saxophone, play the guitar, play the drums, play the keyboard i was like this guy is amazing like the, like i thought <laughs> like this guy is doing something that better than a lot of people i've heard in recent time like like i i have a, such a huge respect for like you know artists instrumentalists and originality and that's what my podcast is about i just love talking to people about the things that uh we all share and love together like music art uh culture different things mm -hmm. and Ever since I heard that, ever since Double Life came on, I was like, okay, I I, I put that one, and I think it's Meet Me in Our Meet Dreams. Me in a dream. The, Meet Me in a yeah. Dream. Yeah. So, and that you know, another great album, like slightly oh, different vibe. Great. I was like, dude, this guy's just putting out some hits. And then <laughs> look deeper into like, uh, and if you don't mind me asking, how do yeah, you yeah. pronounce your last name? I just don't want to get it wrong. Wasnick. Wozniak, yeah. So, and then you had a former uh, a project a few years earlier than that called Wozniak, right? Oh, it's still it's still going. Okay, I just I have two things going at the same time, so I haven't even, put out even a better. Woz... Keep doing those two. I things. haven't put out a Wozniak album since it was. Uh, uh, I think it was January thirty first, twenty nineteen. I was like, I want one to roll out the decade. I don't want this to. I don't want to have a three year. I don't want it to show up on Spotify as like you released one in twenty seventeen and twenty twenty. 
I want it to be, oh, I have two years in between. <laughs> I so get that. For in 2017, they were very uh, simultaneous. Mm-hmm. Like I had both of them going at the same time and did Double Life and um, and uh, whichever way the winds are blowing in the same year and kind of working on them at the same time. But since then, I've sort of been like, okay, well, I have enough solitaire songs to do a solitaire album, so I'll work on that. And then I'll kind of be thinking of stuff for the other project but they're they're kind of two separate head spaces in the creative process and the, the, the I, I sense that uh, like it's just a different style of music that seemed more like folk rock that's country, right, yeah. with a little bit of country mm, yeah big time yeah and i was like that's and that that and like you were just hitting me full of surprises like i was you, like you had this album that i was initially introduced to that felt very funky jazzy like just just hitting all the things it's like i I was like who is this guy this is the (laughs) funkiest soulful white dude i've ever listened to in my life (laughs) and then i went back and listened to that uh the the which whichever way the wind blows yeah and i'm thinking like this guy can do everything i was like like uh, like so and then i'm like i'm going in my head like what are the who's his influences because it's a you probably have a variety plethora of artists who influence you throughout your life yeah, that's so that was like, so, yeah. And one thing I find really interesting, and I'm not trying to like, like toot your horn too much. No, and, like, that's all right. Hand. I appreciate but, it. No, dude, anytime. And like, but like, I'm thinking like, okay, this guy can do that. Like, I can't think of a lot of artists that really step out of a certain type of genre uh, or get experimental. And these people are like, first thing that came to my head was like the war on drugs. Have you heard of that band? Yeah, 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 totally. Kind of like with all his albums, it kind of seemed like Adam he was trying to do something, something different. Yeah. And like, there's a huge respect with artists. Those are the ones that kind of keep me engaged. Like I'm always looking to see what, like, what's their next thing they're doing. I'm always trying to be like current with like their music. Like when you released Waiting, I was like, and that was a complete surprise too, just like Double Life, where I'm like, I'm going on a walk with my dogs and then it pops up on a playlist, like on my Listen Now playlist. And I'm, I'm glad like, it's doing that. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, algorithms this is awesome. are working. I'm like, apparently the algorithm knows I like your music. Good. And Good. I'm like, oh, okay. A little different, but similar vibe. I was like, this is nice. And dude, like, I, I just, you never disappoint. And tell me, like, what, growing up, what were your influences? Like, what, when did you get started in music? And like, what kind of inspired you to go this, uh, this path? Ooh. Well, if we go way, 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 way back. I was played a lot of James Taylor and a lot of Joe Jackson. I don't know if you know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know James Taylor. Joe Jackson. Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call him. Kind of new wave. He's done a lot of different stuff. But anyways, a, a, a songwriter and producer and band leader from England. Um, yeah. Both had, had two musical parents. Um, both hobbyists. Not, you know, never looked at it as a, a career path and got out of it fairly young but music was always in the house and um a lot of Joni Mitchell growing up um my grandmother loved Joni Mitchell dude uh, yeah she's she's awesome and one of those uh artists that you just it, it means different things to you at different points of your life I find oh yeah but um early influences um dad's record collection was vast um a lot of a lot of classic rock this is like i'm talking like before 10 here like a lot of really like, was in the big queen phase for a while all the same uh led zeppelin 
um, a lot of Canadian acts, a lot of the Guess Who, Rush. Mm-hmm. I just started um, listening to the Guess Who. I'm not like I just recently started getting more into classic rock. Mm-hmm. And in high school, I was a huge hip hop head. I loved. I went through a weird phase of middle school where I was obsessed with James Brown, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Al Green, like all these you know R and B singers from back in the day, the Isley Brothers. Yeah, I was such a nerdy white kid that loved singing R and B music. Oh, baby. And I still do. I still love it. And uh, like, I remember I I think the first song I mustered up to sing in front of my family, which is like, I go, you know, I'm kind of I, I was born in Tulare, California. Mm-hmm. And but I, I we moved to Portland when I was three. So I grew up in the city my entire life. But my brother and sister are about seven years older than me. So they grew mm-hmm. up in the country. So in my, in my family, I'm kind of the black sheep where I grew up in the city and my brother and sister are country folk. Like, okay. My sister just recently moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, because she wanted to be more involved in the culture. And my brother lives about 45 minutes north of me in Battleground, which is like out in the country, owns like acres of property. That's a has sick chickens, name farms, does all that. Yeah. So I was I was like, I'm going to sing Footsteps in the Dark by the Isley Brothers. And and I did that and you know, got some positive feedback from family. They were like, oh, that's so nice. But also my brother's sister just like, oh, my God, I can't believe my nerdy little brother singing the Isley Brothers. <laughs> and then got really into like old school hip hop in high school, like 90s hip hop, uh, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. uh, Wu-Tang, you know, L.O. Cool J, all that. New York, a lot of New York rap. Sure. And. As I'm like going into my 20s, I start just like, I think it was the introduction of SoundCloud and really okay, kind of like where things are popping up randomly, more obscure artists that aren't really in the mainstream start popping up. So you're kind of exposed to like people trying new things and it's good, but they're not like nationally recognized yet. Right. Okay. So I'd like, I, I became obsessed with searching for music and, and I still do that to where like every week. It's usually Thursday or Fridays. I'll go on Apple. I'll go on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and I'll just look for artists and I'll listen to it. And and I'll listen to more than like the first minute and a half of the song. I'll be like, I'll listen to this and see how it makes me feel. Because like for me, I believe that music is supposed to kind of invoke an emotion and bring stuff out. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what drew me to your music was like you brought a lot of emotions out, Mm -hmm. positive emotions. Oh, good. And um. To where like I was like you have songs that were very upbeat and very complex and made me feel good and then you had songs like never enough which are telling a story about like a negative experience and kind of allowing who, the listener to feel that pain mm-hmm. and I, I I thought that was really like super awesome and rare to come across I don't think a lot you don't get that a lot in mainstream music and you know it's mainly like it seems like sound marketing nowadays now i try you know i'm 31 i try not to be super nostalgic Mm -hmm. but like i can't help but be that when i hear music from the back of the day that invokes emotion still you know it's tied to a certain period of my life i'm sure i'm not like consciously aware of but then you listen to like your music that invokes this emotion and many emotions like and it kind of it, it becomes special because it allows you to process certain things. Like last, a uh, little less than last year, my mother passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. And, oh, thank you, man. And, you know, and I've uh, been trying to, you know, process that and, of course, like feel That's it through. And I felt like your music helped a lot. Like it just brought out these emotions and allowed me to feel through it and process these emotions. 
And then the next song would be kind of like a song that would fill you with hope and uh, inspire a little bit. And I was like, okay. And it was roughly when I, when I first listened to your, uh, when I first heard double, uh, double life, it was right at slightly right after I started the podcast and I'm still trying to figure out what I want it to be about. Like what, I'm not going to keep doing this if I don't feel like I'm a con like, what's my, what's, what's the reason to keep doing this? Who do I want to talk to? What am I trying to get out of it? And what can I do? Cause I was like, okay, so I want, I want to kind of change the narrative of how people view Portland because that, you know, there's a lot of negativity about Portland and for me growing up in it and being in it, I loved it. And what do I love about, like, what are the things that I love? I love this. I love the city I grew up in. I love music. I love supporting people. I want to be able to support people that I believe are doing great things with the, for themselves, for other people and inspiring people through their art and through their music. And I really felt that from you. And I was like, I thought it was a long shot to be able to talk to you. I was like, oh, I want to talk to this guy. Universe, make it happen. And it happened. Very and, accessible. Well, <laughs> thank you, man. You know, Try to I, was, be, at I least. was always scared to like contact people and be like, are they going to respond? Are oh, I feel gonna, the same way. You know, Absolutely. Like, what, a, a scared of that reaction of what they might have or might say. And I was like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to fucking do it. Like, why not? We'll see what happens. The worst thing, the worst thing they could say is no. And if they, I'm, I'm flattered, yes. man. Honestly, it's, this is my first time being interviewed. Actually, actually, no second time, but the first time was from a guy in Poland. And wow. uh, I interviewed, he interviewed me on the phone while I was sitting in the gross, the, uh, uh, parkade of a, uh, a, um, grocery store. That's his, awesome. his English was very broken and I was trying to like word things simply. <laughs> well, how does it feel like to know like somebody from Poland is like, listen to your music across Pretty the damn world. Cool. Like, Pretty damn cool. And the interesting thing about uh, Spotify for artists is uh, it tells you how many people are listening to any song at any given time. And I've got one song now, Wazik song called Christine. Yeah. Uh, that pretty much anytime I pull that up, it's like four or five people are listening. I listened to that can, today, actually. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so it's kind of cool to think that, you know, at any given time, my music's, you know, vibrating air molecules somewhere around the world. Or, and, you know, like I, and, you know, there are, there's music that is like background music, filler music you hear in a grocery store or something, you know, you hear like a, like one Phoenix song or like a Imagine Dragon <laughs> song back yeah. in the day. And you're like, I can't believe that's just here in Safeway. But yeah. like your music seems like you're going to sit down and listen to it. You're you're going to be like engaged in it. Like I'm, I feel like when I'm listening to your songs, I am. It doesn't matter what headspace I'm in. I'm just like, you know what? Like if I'm looking for to feel a certain way, I know that that song can provide that. I know like if I want to dance, that song can provide that. <laughs> like it's provided good like joyful moments like dances with my wife like dances Aww. with my kids you know like it's it, it's like i feel like if i can do anything it's to just have a conversation and promote some awesome stuff because you provided not just for me but for other people good memories and good times you well, know it means i'm in the right line of work then because that's, yeah, that's what it's all about man is like being able to convey an emotion through the medium and to hear that it you know affects somebody, then it's like okay, well that's then it's working. It's, and I feel like that's hard to do, or people just don't try as much, you know. 
like and you're so consistent with it like you're so consistent with like what you're doing and like how you're trying to put out your art you're experimenting with different things and it's inspiring dude like it's thank you like um yeah like I, i just i i would really like at the like the goal of the podcast and as much as i can to just push awesome stuff and like and i feel like you're doing that and i really appreciate everything you've done and like keep doing it dude like if you have if you could tell me anything what is like since you pushed out you know you got waiting that came out does that mean there's a project looming in the future uh yeah there's a four track ep that i'm sitting on and it's done and i'm trying to figure out honestly that the uh the biggest one's well, not concern I have with it. Um, just as far as I've never put out a, a personally myself, I've never put out a single leading up to an album. Mm-hmm. I had, I worked with a management company back in 2017 who took care of that for me and put out singles and then released the album. But what I'm trying to figure out right now with TuneCore, which is the distribute, the digital distribution platform that I use, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how I can uh, release the whole album and then have that song included and not have that song listed twice as a single. And then as part of the album. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly, that's, and I've been super busy the last couple of weeks and just haven't had the time to put it out or, you know, announce it properly, which I generally just don't do. I, I, I usually do like a post leading up to it, but I'm, I'm, I'm very like reticent about, you know, promoting my work. I just like to, let it speak for itself. Oh, and, and it will. Uh, like, yeah, I know, that's, like, that's the hope, you know, like, and it's, it has, you know, worked in the past with a couple songs that, you know, with basically not having to, you know, get up in everybody's faces saying, listen to my music, please. <laughs> it's the algorithms have, have uh, done me a favor. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people who don't know me personally can <laughs> have access to the music or be exposed to the music the algorithm so no dude i totally get that and it's weird that social media makes it like so complicated because you're like you have to do it you know if you're going to promote yeah. anything you yeah. have to use it and then you don't want to become addicted to it or like obsessed with it of constant scrolling but you're like i how do i use this as a tool to yeah. just put my stuff out there and it's complicated stuff i just don't like the attention honestly like i'd rather yeah. people like look at the music than look at me as the creator you know and i think so- I, I i think social media is going through this thing right now. And I think it's always favored authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I like as long as, and people can sense it. People, I, the algorithm senses it because you know, the viewage, I feel like as long as things are authentic, people gravitate towards it. And I like your music's as authentic as it can get. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just putting it out there, like, of course, you know, like there's certain circumstances, you know, stuff you got to deal with the record. There was a lot of green tape things you sure. just have to deal with. Yeah. And, but I think just putting it out there and just being like, here it is. It'll speak for itself. You get the feedback, you take the feedback and then you adjust accordingly to that, but keep pushing your stuff because you're going to keep evolving as a human. You're going to keep evolving as an artist. And that's right. You're going to want to experiment with different genres of music, whatever you just feel like doing, whenever Mm -hmm. you you could 10 minutes from now or an hour from now, you could, something could pop in your head and you're like, I'm going to do that. Let's lay it down. (laughs) I'm going to try it. So it's like life will happen. And I, I don't know, man, like, uh, yeah, things get pretty complicated when it comes to like social media and different things, but exactly. I don't think you really have much to worry about. I think as you just put out your stuff, man, I'll, I'll help promote it. I'll get it out there too. 
And I think people will just find it. And once they find it, they're going to be stuck. They'll love it. That's good to hear. Yeah, I definitely like, I prefer doing it that way. I definitely felt quite uncomfortable when I was being pushed by someone else to, you know, promote or at least, or even like just provide the materials for promotion. Cause you know, yeah. you're talking to, you're like, okay, well, we got to get this out to a publicist. Like publicist wants to talk to you. They want to talk to you about your music. Like you need to have, uh, um, you know, do a write-up and uh, for a free sentence write-up on what the song is about or, or what you really? think of this song. And like, ah, like, I can't, like, can't you I, listen to it and just like figure it out for yourself? And I, just part to- of me, Part of me wants to be like, okay, that's the way it works. I'm just going to play the game and do it. Yeah. But whenever I'm doing something disingenuously, I just get uncomfortable about it and just worry that I'm not going to say the right thing or, it's, or it's, come off as somebody who wants the attention. Yeah. You know, when I don't, I guess. It's I really odd because it's like, it's a, it's a, del- a business dilemma to where like, it's like one artist I think that did it really well was Prince, where Prince is like, you know, he put out his own music. He produced yeah. it all. He wrote his music. You could only buy his albums on his website. He was solely just trying to be an artist and not have to deal with record labels and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's like it seems like it's oddly intentional for these companies to have their business plan like this. It's like because it kind of keeps you kind of second guessing yourself or being on your toes to constantly like be a machine of music making, you know, mm-hmm. But then like the artist might have like a dilemma of like, I don't, I just want to put out my music. Like, can I just hit, listen to it? If you like it, tell me what you give me some feedback. And if you don't, then I move on to somebody else. Cause there's always going to be somebody else that likes it. Like, it's like weird how it makes you second guess or kind of think to yourself. Oh, I don't know. You know? Yeah. But, like I, like I have the same problem with this. Cause I'm like, okay, I listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, and a lot of them are better. Like, I feel like every single one of them are better than me. And I don't like for the first time last week, somebody wrote me on Instagram and said, thank you for doing the show. Don't even know who this girl was, but she lived in the city. So she lived in Portland. Nice. So she's around. She's local, at least. And I was like, OK, I was like, oh, this is a first. I don't know how to feel about it. So I wrote her back and I was like, should I write her back? Like, so all these thoughts start flooding my head of, OK, so she listens to my show. What, what, what's her view of my show? Um, does, like, does she, like, I started feeling insecure just by her saying, thank you for doing the show. Yeah. Is she a super fan? Is she crazy? Like, That's what, I thought. what like, kind I of, what kind of, what kind of uh, rabbit hole am I going to go down by, by talking to this person? <laughs> yeah. That's I'm thinking, like, should I respond? Should I not? Cause I know like people if get emails all the time. If your view of yourself is, you know, not the best or you don't think is too highly of yourself and then somebody comes around it is it's like what's what's wrong with you oh yeah and i already know i have this problem like way prior to this email yeah. where i'm like i definitely am a very self-deprecating yeah. and insecure you know <laughs> i'm like same here I, man you're doing yeah. a good job though thanks man. very great interview. i appreciate it and i look super white on my camera i look like ghostly pale <laughs> too bad i got the light coming in from this side and i got these like i uh have some house plants and have these like little uh like led grow lights and i just like rigged them up to my my second monitor so they're like coming down and i got like a a little uh another light up there that's still looking kind of yeah you got washed washed out on this side a little bit greasy 
haven't showered oh, yet. Nah, today. Like, that's no. the, that's the one thing I've noticed about webcams is they hide the sweat. Because like a couple yeah. days last week I did a podcast and oh my god, my house was so hot because I didn't realize my, I was having problems with my air conditioner. Oh no! And it was like like all this pollen got stuck in it. So <laughs> I, I did it. I, I never checked it for like months. Yeah. I just always had it on while it was hot. I go out there. It's covered in pollen. It's like not even cooling my house. And I was like, I got to do this podcast. Okay. I sat here and I was wearing a beanie, which is a horrible idea. You probably shouldn't wear a beanie when it's 90 degrees outside. Oh, but man, I wear mine well into June. So same beanies yeah. year round, dude. Yeah. Love it. You know, but I was like, okay. And then I, I watched the video afterwards. I'm like, I remember drenched in sweat. Like my shirt was covered in it. <laughs> I, I'm constantly like wiping my eyebrows yeah. and on the camera, it didn't look like it. I'm like, kudos facetime hd camera i was like you're hiding my sweaty face so how does this podcast release do you have is it through youtube and then you have audio only as well or so i do audio on spotify apple wherever okay. you can get a podcast nice. minus deezer because that's like a subscription-based one you got to pay okay. for yeah. um and then on youtube as well nice. so this is recording on zoom so the kind of like side view or like the split screen camera that we have now it'll yeah. be displayed as this okay i'll put it on youtube uh promote both at the exact same time kind of like nice on instagram facebook um i'll email it to people i'll message i do everything myself
And like YouTube is growing dramatically more listens. People listen to the podcast more than they like, who, like my fan and base. This is that premium do. came around and you can turn your phone off. And yeah. Just listen. That's yeah. That you shit. could just listen while you're at work, while yeah. you're in your car, you know? So I think it's more convenient. And it, my wife is like really into like YouTube stuff. Like she's um really big into like makeup, like goth make- makeup tutorials and Ooh. influencers in that world. And nice. she's like, people just post audio on their YouTube channel. And there's a fan base that listens to it. Yeah. Without even watching it. Like, yeah. So like people, I didn't know that was a thing because I always just listen to podcasts. So like, I'm still learning about these like promotional techniques and how to put stuff out there properly. Cause I, I've never did this. I was barely on social media, like prior to doing the podcast. So like starting the podcast and doing this, I literally, my first podcast was about 46 episodes ago. So God mm-hmm. over a year and a half. And I bought a blue microphone, put it on my kitchen table and just recorded a conversation me and my wife had, uh, while our kids were sleeping <laughs> or my son was sleeping, but my youngest son wasn't born at that time. And we just talked and I was like, I really like this. It felt very therapeutic. Right. And I've all, I think it even two to three years before that I floated the idea of doing it and just never, never put the initiative to do it. Just always put it off, made an excuse because I was always afraid on what people were going to think, what they were going to judge me. I was so scared of judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think about two years ago when we found out my mom was sick and leading up, I like my perspective of things started to slowly change to where I started thinking like, why do I care about these things that like my stress immediately went to my mother and away from a plethora of tons of other things. Those things just didn't matter anymore to me. So probably from about a year prior to like her death and up till now I've just reshaped my focus on what I want to do, who I want to talk to um, kind of like a constant game absorption of knowledge. Like, and especially with my kids getting older too, it's like, I'm just feel like I'm entering a different stage of my life mm-hmm. and um, becoming more secure with myself because I have to, I don't want to be this guy who's raising two young boys and them to deal with or think about the stresses that I irrationally thought about for most of my life. I'm just trying to cut the cycle, you know. Imagine and parenthood would do that for sure. It does. When you're and constantly like, having not... to be a role model, right? So and, and I and my role model, like don't get me wrong, my parents were great, but they came from two different environments. My dad was born on the Azores Islands off the coast of Portugal. Uh oh, cool. I was uh, wondering about your last name. Yeah. Spanish it's, it's Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. And uh First generation immigrant worked ever since the like worked since the age of five, like on doing farming, manual labor, not much of an education, but worked like skin to nail since he was a kid. And so growing up in the city from a very old school father with kind of broken English, can't really speak English that well, um, with that kind of like mentality of like, we don't have a lot of money, but his work ethic and his hard work kept us going and say with my mom. And so there was kind of like a difference that kind of made me feel bad because my, at the time I thought like, you know, I was like this insecure little kid, like nobody understands me and (laughs) my parents never will understand me because they're just this different generation. And like, I'm different from them. And God bless my mom. She always tried to relate to me. And my, my dad just came from a different generation where his father was like, you know, not, they're not, 
compa- they're not how do you say emotionally available people sure like yeah. they're provider types yeah and and it took me till i was 30 to realize that just be like to accept my dad for what he is my dad's still alive now he's 65 years old me yeah. and my dad have a great relationship and it took me like taking care of myself and my family to kind of like my dad's like oh you no longer need me so now we can have a good relationship right yeah so like and then dealing with those emotions so like now i'm like okay I definitely need to be more emotionally available to my children than my dad was to me because no, like nothing against my dad, but my dad probably hugged me twice and has never oh, wow. told me he loved me to my face. And never, I never got, the vibe sense? That, yeah. Like he, I never got the vibe that he didn't. He just showed it in different ways. It just wasn't you know? said in that culture. Or yeah. That that's not what they do. I never heard my grandmother say it to him. I never heard my aunts and uncles say it. So it's like, that's just the culture or how his family was raised. It's a cycle of stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, nothing gets my siblings, but they're a little bit less emotionally sensitive than I am. Like, I'm overly sensitive. If anything, I'm too sensitive. Yeah. And having kids and being put in, like, the spot to where you got to provide, you got to be not just financially, but, like, emotionally, mm-hmm. and to be a good husband, and to try to be – and it makes you – like, I try not to be the stereotype of the guy who's like, kids will change your life. They'll make you so much better of a person. But they, they just though. make they make you reflect. That's all it is. Like, it's really odd when you see a child that looks like you and you're like, oh, that is me in a different version of myself. But they're individuals. So I think that in my head because they look like me. Right. So you see mm-hmm. kids, you're like, they're my kids, but they're people. I can't view them as that. They're going to have their own interests, their own personalities. Like they're all going to be different in their own way. And I need to love that, cherish it, cherish it and nurture it. And, and through that process makes me look inward at myself and realize how shitty I am and I need to be better. Right. But yes. accepting the shittiness and being like, and then be like going about life in a day, like a day by day basis of waking up, knowing that, you know, I, I, I should be grateful that I have children, beautiful children, healthy, uh, a beautiful wife that loves me and not a lot. A lot of people search their life for this and I'm given this. So I shouldn't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And, and that allows me, because when you think of that way, think things that way, you think of it, you start to think of everything. It starts to leak out into everything else you love, music, art, the world, how you, your perspective on your neighborhood, the people around you, your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And it made me kind of shift my mind from internally deprecating, like constant deprecation of myself, feeling bad about myself to be like, that's no longer important. You could feel bad about that. It's never going to change. You're go- like, what you need to do is be an example on how to love yourself and to be a decently okay person. So your kids can grow up to be a decently okay people. Just be happy. That's all I want. I've never been a person that wants their kids to do anything. I just want my kids to be happy, to do what they want to do. I, I don't care. It's like if they end up being gay, anything, I don't care. I just want my kids to be happy. And because all I want to do is be happy. And that's all that matters. And and co- like going into the podcast, I'm like, I'm just going to do this because I love it. I get to talk to people that play music, pl- do art that I love. But like it's a fucking honor to even be a part of life right now post-covid people that for sheltered indoors that have like i feel like i talked about this last week where 
I felt like post COVID, there's going to be an explosion of art, right? There's going to be people that have been stewing on ideas, making music, not having a chance to be out performing it live to people. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you got a renaissance of creative expression and shows come back and everything too. eh? Yeah. And so like everybody who's going, like, I'm sure if when you go out and do stuff now, you're like, or play music live, you're like, I missed this during COVID. This is awesome. Not really. No, I don't really really like playing live. I've just, I played yesterday. Um, If I can plug a band that I'm involved with uh, called Brass Camel. They're a progressive rock group outfit very 70s influenced awesome um, really really tight players good songs and i was thinking about that because I, I i used to play with them from like 2017 to 2019 and then just just couldn't give them the time that they needed so they wanted to rehearse sort of three times a week kind of deal yeah but i played with them last night because their their keyboard player left and i basically know all the material there's a couple of new things to learn but um just had an interesting experience where I was like waiting for the show. It was the show was sold out. It's 250 people packed into a little venue uh, off commercial drive in Vancouver. And um, just feeling numb walking onto the stage. And it changed after a while. A few songs in, I started to feel like I was more there presently. But for a lot of it, it just felt like I was just like watching a movie through my own eyes, like people on stage. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. It all feels very automatic. Like have you felt is, this way before like yeah yeah generally um if um i i don't feel that way when i'm playing covers strangely enough because you, you know you're gonna... vulnerable like playing like... no 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 i don't feel vulnerable i've never had stage fright i've never been i've and i, I probably should have more i i i've always felt that like if i fuck up on stage I have enough of a positive self image of myself as a musician that it's never bothered me too much. Um, I don't know how healthy that is or whether I could put more, um, more effort into playing live. Like I think I do well and I think I play the songs correctly and, you know, get the parts right. But like, I've never, it's just never um, given me much of a thrill Aside from doing cover stuff, oddly enough, because a lot of people, like people I know who do uh, play in bands that are more like work and not as much of a creative endeavor, creatively fulfilling endeavor, sort of look at that as just like, oh, I'm just going through the motions. But well, when you're playing that sort cover, of stuff, music, I really like, like take you back to a certain place, or do you kind of like, do you ever listen to a song and you kind of imagine yourself on stage playing it or like, mm. like in a certain setting? No, not really. Um, for the cover stuff, though, like you know that you're gonna, you're, you're guaranteed to reach people, and you're not trying to go out there and like flog your own music. You're yeah. flogging music that people already have an established connection to, even if it's not everybody in the room. Be like, oh, this song, but you know you're gonna hit somebody. Yeah, and uh, you know you can sort of project your own feelings about how certain songs make you feel and imagine that someone else is is going to get to feel the same way and that's sort of what i find rewarding about it well what would you say is like do you get a different feeling when you're like you're in a studio or in your like playing your own music by yourself going through your process how how does that make you feel like where do you feel the most comfortable most happy while you're playing your music um it's definitely I feel 
I've had this recent realization that I feel like I peaked about five years ago and everything since then has been a bit of a going through the motions. I, I still like and believe in what I put out. Um, but it's definitely the, the days of real like manic creative energy seem to have passed. And that doesn't mean I'm going to stop making music, but I've sort of decided that after this EP, I'm going to take a break and try and come back to it with uh, some different instruments and some different ideas and some different methods because I'm starting to feel a little stale. <laughs> I feel like lately. I feel like that's what artists that happens to artists, right? Like, you know, yeah. throughout history, you have bands who had to take some break to get away from it because if you're so consumed by it, then you don't really have you have no like life experience to write from you know big like, time that's actually it's like a very going good on point. an adventure and then writing a story about your adventure you're gonna do it without going on the adventure you know yeah yeah and like and I've noticed like you know I've watched documentaries with bands and that seems to be a common thread with artists where you kind of you need not that like like I hate that trope of like an artist needs to be in pain to like thrive and make great art but they make great art in, like in spite of that pain, right? Like even though they're feeling that pain, they can get, they can overcome it and then do what they love because music and love always overcomes pain. And like, I totally get what you're saying, but I think like, if I could say anything to you is like, like, like you said, you're going to keep doing it, keep doing it. Just oh. keep pushing through those feelings. It's never going to be forever. Yeah. Like, and don't feel like you hit like a plateau or anything. Cause nobody ever hits a plateau. Like you're how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking 30, 30, you're 30, just turned 30 this year. So maybe, 30. Yeah. You imagine like you never like catch yourself saying like, I feel really old, even no. though we're just 30. Right. No, actually I was totally, I had no problem turning 30. I was that's good. happy, happy to get out of the twenties. I think it's just because I have always, kids and I feel exhausted. I think that's it. I don't think I, I feel old. That. I just feel tired. Yeah. <laughs> You're also pretty young to have two kids. How old are your kids? Uh, my oldest son is four. Okay. He's going to so be were... five in October. And my second youngest son is a year and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you got yeah. your hands full. And, uh, it's kind of weird because in my family, it seems to be the trope. We all seem to have <laughs> kids. Like, I think I honestly had kids the latest in my life. My wow. dad, my dad was 10 years older than my mom. Okay. And my dad was, this was, I think my, him, my mom met in 1983 or 84. Mm -hmm. And my dad was 27 and my yeah. mom was 17. So a little, nice. yeah, you know, a little times, it was a different hey, time. Back then. Changed, right? Yeah. But they were married for 40 years, you know, until my mom passed, like they, they loved each other. And uh, my sister, I think was 18 or 19. My brother, I think was 21. Wow. And, we all met significant others at that age. Like yeah. my, my sister's been married for almost 15 years. She has five kids mm -hmm. and she's 37 mm -hmm. and my brother's got three kids and he's 38. And, oh. and like, you know, yeah. it's weird. Cause my sister, she still looks young. She's like, she's 30. She still is young. She's not even 40. She got five kids, but she got an 18 year old son who just graduated high school. You know, I'm like 31 years old with an 18 year old nephew who bought a car that's... and is going to pilot school and like i have another niece that's an artist and does draws like anime and has her own youtube channel that's big and like oh sweet like it's that's pretty enviable actually having kids at that age you know because i feel like you can more easily connect with your children you can and also it makes me realize because I, I i'm a i i believe and understand that 
people have kids whenever they're ready, whatever age. I don't think there's a wrong age to have a kid. Yeah. Like I, I've had this conversation with my wife because my wife is a little young. My wife's six years younger than me. So when I first met my wife, I was 25 and she was 19. Mm-hmm. And we met at like a job. We worked together and then met each other there. Oh, sweet. And That's very like, cute. you know, I've talked about this nauseum, but God, I got out of a bad relationship. I was like, I'm never going to do this again. I got to take a break. I got to reassess myself. I got to kind of go through. I was kind of a man whore in my early 20s. And <laughs> I was like, if, I, if I'm going to date, I got to not do things the same way. I got to approach it and just try to build a friendship with or have a friendship with somebody without just wanting to go through the same motions. Sure. And when I met my wife, I, I was attracted to her, but I was also like, I actually like her. Like I love talking to her. So we kind of built up a friendship over time before we even started dating. And, you know, six months later, after we started dating, we think have the idea of getting married. We get married. And then after that, we have kids. And, you know, she's dramatically younger than me. She's been, God, she's 26 now. So she's been, she has kids since she was 22. And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. But I'm a dum-dum and I'm 31 years old. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Like kids be, and I, 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 I don't ever like to tell myself I'm being a great parent because my kids haven't really, you know, I haven't accomplished anything with them. I've always said like, if I, by the time I'm dead, my kids are not in jail have a job and can support themselves. That's yeah. a win. I would say so. That's just great right. that you're in the, you, to be in the position, like, you know, financially and, and maturity wise that you can have kids at that age you and, know, dude, and by choice too. Right. Oh yeah. No, it was completely. I've got like, I've. Wasn't I a have, smart choice at the time, but. I, I literally have zero children in my life. I've got no friends that have kids. And a lot of my friends are around my age, like mid twenties to early thirties. I'm, I and, have no friends that have kids either. I'm the only one out of my core group of friends yeah. that is, I think in a relationship minus one. Wow. <laughs> like they're all just guys, you know, they work and they go, they go to the bar and hang out. They meet girls and talk to girls, Yeah, sure. but they're not like trying to be in long-term relationships or get married, which I, is completely fine. I've always yeah. just thought if you really want it, it would happen. And I think for me, I think just subconsciously. Yeah, you tee yourself up for that, right? Yeah, I think I was prepping myself for it without realizing I was doing it. Yeah. And maybe it felt like at the time it was something I was looking for something. Like, and I thought kids might fill a void or something. And then something beautiful came out of it. So. Well, it's got to be incredibly rewarding. Like, and obviously you have the sort of the emotional maturity that you can say, like, I don't care how my kids turn up as long as they're happy and healthy and have a job. Oh, dude, like, it's I, hard. I, it's very hard in certain little scenarios where it's like when I'm at the park with my kids and, you know, my oldest son just started preschool. It started, and during COVID, you know, from like two to four, he didn't interact with kids at all. That's right? so, huge. I never thought of that. That's got to be. It, so he was very socially immature. Like, yeah. so like, uh, and they thought that, you know, this was going to have a long-term effect and they're like, but get him into preschool and get him interacting with kids socially and see where that goes. And it's been yeah. great. It has no problem. Nice. But as a parent, I get triggered when I see kids or other people like uh, mistreating my son. So if I'm like watching him play and he gets pushed by another kid, yeah, it makes me in. angry, yeah. but I have to stop and be like, what am I, I going to yell at a five-year-old? It's not going to do anything. You yeah. know, like, uh, you really want to be like, a dad swinging in. To... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you like yell at a kid or go yell at their parents. But yeah. then, then when that started happening, 
I became introspective again. And I'm like, oh, why am I feeling this way? Did this happen? Like, and then it brought like things I didn't think about for 20 years that mm-hmm. I didn't even think I had a memory left would flood my brain. And it would remind me, oh, that's how I got treated when I was six years old. And, and then I thought of like, that's how I reacted to this, how I did this. So like having kids is just this constant reminder of your past. It never ends. Like every stage they're in, if something happens to them, that memory pops back up in your head and, and then it makes you deal with it. So as your kids are growing, you're forced to just deal with your own problems. And you either like, and I've seen it where like, as the kids get older, parents become, have their problems either get worse financially, emotionally, physically. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're dealing with this process. And the parent, the people that deal with it healthfully, just let it happen because you can't control anything. I can't, I can protect my kids as much as I can. But outside of that, I don't really have a control in anything that happens to them when they go to school and I'm not around them constantly, you know? No, it's good to be able to surrender to it like that. I know I would not be like that as a parent. It's hard. It, I would it's be not seeing, easy. It still isn't. It's still yeah, not easy. I would be seeing every, like, looking for any, like, signs of, like, bad traits that I have. And then just feeling, like, guilty that, like, oh, I guess this is going through. The, I guess this is coming coming around again. That my yeah. kids should be it, just that, like that, me and have the same problem. it makes problems. you feel insecure because you're like, yeah. oh, I don't want them to have this problem that I have. And now, like, but then also it's like, they are you genetically mixed with somebody else and they take up yeah. personality traits, some best and worst traits of both parents. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's only as real as you make it because like I said, it's, it, it, and I haven't, I'm a complete idiot and uh, there's nothing, no proof to anything I'm saying. I just go based on how I feel, but like it really me, does man. feel like a lot of this is just imagining it's you Thinking that your kid is go like it's the emotions that you're feeling or used to feel at their age that you can relate to reflecting back to you. So however you view them or think is happening to them and how you process it has nothing to do with them, has everything to do with you. It's like I and if you apply it to other people's kids, I try not to get mad at shit ass kids, kids that are just bad. (laughs) Because I'm like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. They're bad. Your parents, it's your parents fault. You're like this because they're shit people. Most of the time. Yeah, I'd say, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and like and circumstantial there are personality traits environments yeah, sure. things like that but like i try not to blame the kid for it it's like seeing a whole like like with homeless people i started thinking of them like once they were babies you know like yeah. if you just Someone look loves at them it's like, yeah they're a human being that was a baby once they were somebody's baby and it changes how you view them mm-hmm. and regardless of what kind of person they are now yeah and to think now. of like life just happened Life made them that way. Their choices made them that way. Circumstance, environment, things that they had no control over. Who knew? Who knows how bad their parents were or how they were treated? And some people, most of them, you know, have the stereotypical kind of life that they weren't treated that great when they were kids growing up. And that's sad. But having kids really does. Probably pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. And having kids just really makes you introspective. And I'm still just really bad at it. I don't, I still feel like I'm not that great of a father or a husband, but if I felt like I was perfect, I don't think I would try, you know? Well, that's kind of the sign that you're doing something right. If you're, you know, self-critical in that way. Yeah, if, you so, that you were, if, if you thought you were, you know, God's gift to kids, <laughs> God's, it's a curse, dude. God's it's gift a curse. to your wife, then, you know, I think 
when your whole life you're being told that something is slightly wrong with you, right? You kind of feel self debt. You can't help but feel that way, kind of insecure. Oh yeah, dude. Like, you, like, it, and it's like you feel. I felt bad growing up and hearing those things, but once you become adult, you kind of, like once I became a certain age and had my own children, I was kind of like, oh, well, I can accept these things and I can accept my parents for who they are because they're really just people that tried their best. It does, my wife used to tell me it doesn't excuse how you were treated. It doesn't excuse their behavior. It doesn't. But also, it they're just me... going through the motions. They're figuring it out while they went along too, right? Yeah, and they were at a worse like like it's like I think my parents worked their entire lives in minimum, slightly above minimum wage jobs to support their family, and we were never without. We never had money, but we didn't have a lot of stuff. I got my clothes from like Walmart, Kmart, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and but once me and my my brother like is a supervisor makes a lot of money great salary my sister is a nurse at a hospital like i make more money now than my parents ever earned their entire life and when your kids do that at such a young age i felt like when that happened you kind of sense a little bit of insecurity with them and you kind of feel like that it, it made them feel bad about themselves and that's when i started to think of like i can only i can't imagine how that feels like they shouldn't be comparing us to them because we're we 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 work this hard because of the mentality you instilled in us and the the morals that you instilled in us. This is a good thing. I would be extremely happy if my kids make more money than me and are happier than me. That's kind of the goal, isn't it? So I was like, uh, but I started to understand they're just people with issues. Yeah. We're all people with issues. Yeah. Same with and, my parents. It took a long time to figure that one out. There's yeah. Something. No, they're not. And we'll, we'll continue. We're, we're in our thirties, bro. We're going to continue to figure this shit out as we get older. It's never going to end. We're going to have good points. We're going to have low points. We're going to have times where we do, we're like, oh, am I peaked? If I felt, am I done? Am I going to keep doing this? Should I stop? Should I take a break? These are, these are thoughts that are always going to hit our mind, no matter what oh, yeah. we're human. Yeah. And what we need are people to just motivate us or something to motivate us, to encourage us. And like, and if I could do that in any way to help you, like just to tell you that, hey, dude, like there are people out there, you know, it, I know it, that appreciate your art, that love your music. They're going to listen to everything you put out, everything that you push. Like, and those people are going to tell their friends. They're going to tell the people around them. They're going to push your stuff, show it on their social media because they're proud to listen to your music. And they're, they're happy with the feelings that you provide them through your music and your art. And I think what happens is this is contagious and it just takes time. I think, I dude short any like in the near future you're gonna have a huge explosion and i i, I can god help me so I, I, <laughs> like as long i feel like as long as you just keep doing what you're doing and stay positive yeah and allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and put that into your music you know and you know you know what's up you like you get inspired in a moment's notice just like that and i if i could tell anybody and i've been i've kind of been tur turning this into like a thing at the end of the podcast where it's just like just keep doing what you're doing man like you inspire me it's a plan and, and like i feel like the people need to do more of this just encourage each other to keep pushing their art keep doing what they love to do and fuck everything else keep good doing words. what makes you happy good words good words to hear but Adam, I appreciate you coming on the show, dude, and talking hey, with me. Thanks for having me, man. It's been awesome. No, anytime, dude. And like, and I would love to have you come back on anytime you want, like if you're up for it. Yeah, you get, totally. When, 
uh, if like when you release your EP or if you just want to talk, if you're like, hey, Greg, let's talk. We don't even have to do it on the podcast. We can just conversate and say, hey, what's up? Socials. I yeah. got you on the socials. So you know nice where I'm at. You can hit me up whatever you want. Yeah. But dude, no, just, you know, like I said, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing. Keep writing. Freaking awesome. Ah. <laughs> you too, man. Like this podcast thing's awesome. Like I Thank have you, huge, man. huge respect for podcasters because that's what fills my, uh, fills my ears for most of the day at work. So. Thank you. And yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope they like become like parasocial that. friends to me. It's probably pretty unhealthy. But <laughs> <laughs> no, These are the people in my life, you know. <laughs> it's funny because all like the podcasts I listen to are like dysfunctional people, and I'm like, that's kind of um, I guess. Oh no! What are your what purpose. are your what are your favorites? Ah, God, a lot of comedy podcasts. So I'd yeah. say I like Bad Friends with yeah. Bobby Lee and Andrew Santino. Bobby Lee is hilarious. I like a lot of podcasts that make me laugh, but I also like Russell Brand's podcast. Oh yeah. Cause that guy is like beautifully insane. Like the fact that and like so sober and spiritual and kind of stuff like that too. Right. Well, like I remember the Russell brand from like, get him to the Greek and like, <laughs> like the young one when he was just doing cocaine and like having sex with chicks all the time. Oh, like, I've seen that show that the BBC stuff, like, like he was yeah. Let's so, say like the, the fact that he went from that to changing it up and becoming a different, like the same individual, but like, kind of toning it down a little bit to be healthier and happier and live longer and to find himself. Like yeah. that's inspiring. Um, Joe Rogan, I listen to periodically, but that really depends on the guests. I like listening to a lot of scientists, not a lot of, I'm not a political person. I don't really have, I've. Yeah. I like, can't do I, political podcasts. And no, nothing ever turns good out of that. It's always divisive. I don't like the mood it puts me in. I just try to listen to positive, funny stuff. Yeah. And I've been getting more into like self-help stuff. But oh, yeah. like, I don't really know what to look into. Like, I, I like, I guess maybe Russell Brands is the closest thing I have to like a self-help podcast. Yeah. Um, but anything that makes me feel good, like uh, the goal at the end of the episode of a podcast is to feel better when you're done listening to it than when you started, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. But Adam, yeah. I appreciate you coming on, dude. And is there anything you'd like to promote? Like anything like socials, albums? Well, the EP is going to be called Waiting uh, after the uh, lead-off single that came out a week ago. Uh, I would look for it on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your music, uh, YouTube as well. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. looking out. I will continue putting things out for your listening pleasure. And, and I will be uh, there listening to it. Every single thing, dude. Right like, on, dude. Like I am, I am eagerly waiting. And no, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure <laughs> at all. But like, uh, but just no, dude. You know, people just put it out there. That's all that matters. The other stuff is just noise. You know, as long as people, as long as it's out there, people will find it. People that relate to it, people that love it, people that feel inspired by it, they will find your art and they will love it, and they're just gonna want you to keep doing it. And if you decide one day that you don't want to keep doing it, that's okay too. Because you're a human being that's constantly evolving. I'm into that, brother. Awesome. I'm well, stoked to you, have Adam. you in my ears too. I'll start listening to your podcast at work. Thank you. To the other people that you're uh, interviewing and talking to. Do you have Thank a you. specific sort of type of musician or artist that you gravitate towards, like for interviews? Or... Uh, I would say right now, artists that I gravitate towards, like my favorite. If you haven't told, like one of my favorite yeah, bands is Gorillas, right? Yeah. Because I'd be like Damon Auburn, Blur was one of my favorite bands. Like I've loved the Gorillas since like middle school. 
since they came out like the I think the first song I listened to was like Clint Eastwood from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, that has like De La Soul on it, and I was like, dude, how you? I, what's that band's name? You ever heard of this band called Junior Senior? No. They're one. They're that. They have that one song. That's like, don't stop, don't stop the beat. Uh, don't stop, don't stop. Like it's it's like an animated, like an animated cartoon music video, but it was like played on MTV in the early two thousands constantly. Sick. Look it up if you have a chance, and then. I'll write it yeah. down. What is it called again? Uh, the band is called Junior Senior. And, and what is uh, the song called? God, Don't Stop the Beat, I think. Don't stop. Possibly. You'll know. It'll be like the first song because it's like the one thing that they're like super famous for. Nice. And then Daft Punk. I was, I love Daft Punk. Oh, yeah. Um, And like, I remember just hearing one more time, like I'd wake up going to school in the morning at like seven and watching MTV music videos, and there'd be the animated underwater uh, music video for one more time, and I would just listen to that while tying my shoes every morning, and then bust in my Daft Punk uh, Discovery album in my fucking Walkman player, you know? CD or tape? Uh, both. I had a CD hey, and tape both. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and like, oddly, it was a weird time where I loved Daft Punk, Daft Punk and a lot of hair metal, because my mom listened to Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses. Nice. So I was like, and cool then lady. Outcast. I had three CDs. I had, no, I had five <laughs> CDs. I had Big Willie Style by Will Smith. Nice. Uh, I had a POD album that my mom thought I would like, but I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah. Like one of those albums yeah. that your parents like, oh, I thought you would like this, but you really don't give a it's shit. It's rock music. Yeah. Yeah, it's a guy with dreads. <laughs> You'll like it. And AT Aliens from Outkast. Um, the. I don't know if it's titled Welcome to the Jungle, but the album from Guns N' Roses. Uh, oh, Appetite, Appetite for Destruction. Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, and Daft Punk's Discovery. But I had that on tape as well. Nice. And so, like, it was like... That's a good rotation. With, like, huh? That's a good rotation of, of, of music. Oh, yeah. And it grew, like, once I, like, the, like the invention of burning CDs, you know? Oh, it's like, huge. Oh, dude, that's Abster. how I made money in high school. I would literally just, like, go on LimeWire. And I think I could talk about this now because it's, like, I don't think it exists anymore and statutes of limitations, but like the time where people downloaded music illegally and because Napster like kind of effed off and left because of all the stuff they were dealing with. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause, uh, that one. Yeah. (laughs) The LimeWire was so funny because like they would always like fuck up the album or the uh, artist names, you know, be like Bob Marley, Red Red Wine. Yeah. (laughs) Or you get the occasional (laughs) porno by accident. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. You're like, oh, hey, this is cool. We're like, uh, mom, get out of here. Like, the weird thing was too is like I had a dial-up desktop computer in the middle of my kitchen, and dude, my same grandma, deal. Yeah, my grandmother was out in the them. open. And yeah, it was right in the open. It was plugged into the wall jack. It had to be in the kitchen. And right? dial-up too. Started. So like, a weird time where you had to share the computer with everybody, or you yeah. couldn't be on it while somebody was on the phone. That's right. Yeah. And my grandma moved in with us and played Yahoo pool all the time. Like those Yahoo games. Ah! And like, she would kick me off. I'm going to, I'm supposed to get on. Cause like, it was like right when like AOL was a thing. So like yeah. you could write people on there and have conversations like typing while you're playing. Yeah. Pool. Aim. Aim. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Aim messenger. And, and, dude, yeah. I'm sorry. I went on with that rant, but oh. so like when I was in high school, I used to get paid for downloading mixtapes for people. So like I would, go on LimeWire and just look up music and whatever popped up on there. I, I can't count how many times my computer got a virus from accidentally downloading the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, dude. But uh, then, like, I remember 
I think it was my junior year of high school. And do you know who Wiz Khalifa is? Yeah, yeah, I know Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. So it was like right when he came out with the song, it's a remake of Walking on the Walking on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. Yeah. And I remember nobody in my high school heard of this song. And I found I came across it. I was like, I think standing on the shore and walking on a dream were like the two songs I only I heard from Empire of the Sun at the time. And that popped up with it because it was a sample. And I burnt it on CDs and everybody loved it. And I was like, I'll burn you a CD. I'll go to Walmart. I'll buy a stack of burnable CDs. And I'll burn you a CD. and charge you five bucks a CD. Damn. And, and that's how I got through high school until I got a job. Did they ever put insane taxes on blank media? In the I don't know. Do they, they still sell thing? blank CDs? Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah, but I remember uh, it's probably 10, 15 years ago that they, uh, I, I don't know how this came about, but a tax was put on blank media because of how it was all used for pirated music. So like a deck of CDs went from like $10 for 20 to like $30 for 20. I think I got yeah. done with it. Cause it was like, I think I got an iPod. Yeah. 2007. And I stopped that doing that. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what killed your business. Video. Apple killed your business. Yeah. Cause I was like, <laughs> I had friends that like having an iPhone was like your friends had slightly more money than you and their parents yeah, yeah, had yeah. like yeah. a good cell phone service. <laughs> and you're yeah. stuck on like Sprint or T-Mobile. So like you didn't get the iPhone, but then like, it was amazing because I was like walking around with my PSP listening to music constantly. That's how yeah. I listened to my music was just on my PlayStation portable thing. But we had a iPod shuffle that my dad wanted a contest at work and my sister and I would fight over who got to take it to school on one day. 500, <laughs> That's awesome. 512 megabytes of songs, no screen. Yeah. It, did it have like the rotational dial still? No, on it? it was the remember when it looked like it looked like a white USB stick. Oh, because maybe, screen. Yeah. maybe a big with just like shuffle back and forth. And you can clip it to like your pants. Yeah, we thought we were pretty cool. Dude, that looked like Apple like, products. I think that was like a change in culture where everybody became dramatically lazier. Because I remember like as soon as I got an iPod, I was like, I never went anywhere without it. Like, I think I just yeah. walked everywhere just to listen to music. Like, I, oh, I think my like isolation towards music just increased as soon as I got an MP3 player. Isn't it weird that we carry now like less technology in our pockets than mm -hmm. like 20 years ago? Because it was like, you know, key, leaving the house, it's like iPod, wallet, keys, phone, smokes, or whatever yeah. else. People wore was... more clothes. Like you had to. Like you either had a, per if you're a woman, you had a huge ass purse. Um, oh, yeah. If you're a dude, That's you had a fanny pack or a backpack. But like, you don't really have many options. And your pants had loose enough pockets to where you could fit stuff in them. Now it's like, because of the tightness of pants, it's very hard to fit your phone in your pocket. Yeah, this is pre-skinny jeans for sure. Yeah, and men became more insecure, so we're not trying to deviate from the natural bulge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. It was hey, such a fun again. conversation. It was, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. And guys, remember to follow Adam uh, at all his socials at Wozniak Music uh, on Instagram. Listen to his music hit on Apple, Spotify. It's available wherever you get your music. Um, follow the Wild Weird on Instagram. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, follow us on all the socials. Every uh, new episode's coming out every Monday. Adam, so this one uh, will be out Monday, just so you know. So just in case. You oh, know, awesome. Okay, sweet. I will like, uh, listen to it, post about it, whatever you want to do. Posty post. Yes. It, it'll be out Monday morning uh, on YouTube and social uh, and listening platform simultaneously at the same time. Very nice. Um, thank you guys for listening.
subscribing to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Remember to uh, share it with a friend. That's how this thing grows. You share it with a family member, get them listen to it. They share it with somebody else. Um, you know, uh, all the links are in the Instagram link tree. If you want to help support the podcast, you want to help share the podcast. We're available on everything, whatever you listen to, whatever you watch, we're on there. Um, Adam, thank you so much, my friend. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Keep sir. rocking. Keep doing your thing. Keep inspiring people. Will do. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, man. Have a good day. You too. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.